0: Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy during that all important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world.
1: Dr Ian Dunbar, Veterinary Behaviourist says,
0: I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this.
1: This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy.
0: You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon.
2: We have some very exciting news for you on the Barks from the Bookshelf podcast. Our lovely friends at Dogwise, who publish a lot of the books that we have featured and are due to feature have decided to give all of you lovely listeners 10% off all of their titles. So if you head to their website, which is www.dogwise.com, you can have a look at their catalogue. And when you get to your shopping cart at the end, just type in the coupon code, which is BARKBOOK, all one word, B-A-R-K-B-O-O-K, and they'll give you a whopping 10% off. Enjoy!
0: Hey. barks from the hookshelf, and we're gone. A lot about our dogs and barts from the hookshelf, and we're gone. The lunch together. Barts from the hookshelf, and we're gone. A lot of our dogs and barts from the hookshelf, and we're gone. Marks from the Subna we of all our dogs and parts from the books and we're done We're gonna about our dogs and parts from the books Hey! Hello Hello, hello. <laughs> So uh uh um uh, back for our first uh, inaugural, is that the right word? Uh, off the shelf of twenty twenty one and in the Great words of D-Ream, things can only get better.
2: Indeed, fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> so we're here today with uh, uh, the lovely Natalie Light, sister behaviourist there. Hello! And Corinne. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my wife. My wife. <laughs> it's
1: a classic Steve, guys. My
2: friend Andy, I like his, he, he says, this is my first wife. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, um, uh, what's been going on? I've got two words for you, Natalie. Uh, sticky 20. <laughs> you Could explain be from yourself? one of our listeners. So
2: <laughs> if any of my clients are listening, did you slip me a sticky 20?
0: <laughs> Nat has uh, basically, there's two things that have happened uh, uh, in, in, over the last six months. One is uh, Jason Light, husband of Natalie Light, sister behaviourist, uh, slipped us the most dodgy can of beans that's ever been slipped to anyone. Oh, they They're are. Still are sitting awful. in my cupboard.
1: Yep, he won't uh, touch
0: them. Uh, and uh, today. I saw uh, them in Batley's
1: today, actually. $3. Yeah. 3 79 for a pack of, I don't know, a million. Oh,
2: I, that's why I bought them, because I was like, I'm really intrigued. Are these really beans or are they empty cans?
0: And then today you uh, slip us a sticky £20 note.
1: I did. Mm. I. You did ask if I wanted it cleaned first, and I said no. I I did. I did. Basically, well, we've got a little kitty
2: in the house where cash goes for when we pop to the shop or whatever. (laughs) It's a sticky kitty. And (laughs) maybe this is like one of the best things ever. You know, when you haven't worn a jumper for a while and you reach into your pocket, you've got a fiver. I found 40 quid in my van when I was cleaning it, Mm. but I don't know what's on there. I mean, it's some kind of. Suntan, lotion, moisturiser, WD-40, potentially grease that I put on the padlock for the field one day. (laughs) I don't know what it is, guys. Let's hope it's one of those things, not something gross. I'm not going to lick it, that's for
3: sure.
0: (laughs) Don't lick it. I don't know what sort of person, A, gives someone one of those, but also B, (laughs) accepts it, and then then when asked if you'd like it clean, says, no, don't worry about
2: it. Well, it was folded perfectly, so I hadn't really noticed until I was outside and I opened it and I was like, this is really sticky, I don't know why.
0: When do Corin want... opened it for me, it sounded like someone was taking you know, sellotape. I've, got... <laughs> I've got it in here. Is, you it. It in here? Is it? <laughs>
1: it's in my bag. Where is it? I'm going to go and get it. What,
0: this bag? You know,
2: yeah. Was, when, when you left, Jay was like, oh, I've got loads of money in my wallet, you could have had that. I was like, it's all right, I've palmed off the sticky 20. <laughs> Here
1: we nice. go, hold it up to the microphone. Okay. You ready, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, <laughs> that's a horrible noise, isn't it? <laughs> oh, like it's so strip. funny. Keep I your, think it's brilliant.
0: I don't care. Keep your friends close, keep are your enemies you, closer. Big,
2: the biggest question is, now I've passed it on, are you going to clean it before you pass it on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: And that's why you're a better person than me. <laughs> no, if I was giving it back to you, no. But
0: okay. <laughs> I want—I want to wait for a situation where I owe like my dad twenty quid. And I'm just gonna <laughs> slap it on his forehead. <laughs>
2: well if you put it in the card you know like relative present 20 quid
1: in a
0: card they wouldn't
1: even be able to open the card it's
0: a great idea i could
1: give it to my mum tomorrow that's a great
0: idea it's her birthday happy sticky 20s there we go easy come easy go watch out for sticky 20s everyone um so after all of that what have we got on today then um we are so off the shelf so you know you know the format of off the shelf we're having a rambling chat with uh Someone who we think is going to be super, super interesting that our listeners is going to love. And this week we have uh, the one and only Peter Gilgium, um, who is absolutely incredible. And we have a bio, do we not, uh, Nat?
2: Uh, we do. It's it's a very long bio.
3: <laughs>
0: Settle <laughs> I down.
2: stop at some... I may stop at some point but uh, this is what it says on his website Zoo Spenceful, which we'll put a link to. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up in the Netherlands, Peter was always curious about the natural world after completing two successful internships at Waterpark Niels Johns. This is why Steve has made <coughs> me read this out because there's <laughs> words in here that I'm going to mispronounce like anything. Uh, where he had his first taste of the marine mammal world, Peter landed a job at Ohiwandi's Zoo in early 2005, working with California Sea Islands. Attending the 2008 International Marine Animal Trainers Association Conference was a game changer for Peter, meeting trainers from all over the world inspired to set higher standards for himself and his career development. I I bet he will love Ken Ramirez as much as we do. Mm Um, his animal training journey took him from working with walruses and bottlenose dolphins in Canada to training killer whales in Tenerife. His work with a young deaf killer whale named Morgan secured him the People's Choice Award at the 2013 IMATA conference. Yeah. After a brief stint working with killer whales in France, Peter relocated to Sweden to work as senior marine mammal trainer at Colmarden Wildlife Park. Followed up as the animal training coordinator, he's taken on the challenge to change the culture of animal training across the organization. Serving on the board of IMATA as vice president between 2016 and 2018 was a dream come true for Peter. As the creator of Zoo Spenceful, Peter delivers thought-provoking presentations and workshops about training strategies and systems applicable to all species and encourages animal professionals to think outside the zoo. A passionate animal training and behaviour consultant, Peter is proficient in operant conditioning methodology and through his teaching, you are bound to feel motivated and inspired to take on your next training project challenge.
3: Boom.
1: I could, well, see, da, st- da. I could see Steve's face during that when you were getting to some of the, the words that were harder I to I apologise to
2: all <laughs> Swedish uh, and... Uh, uh, any, any of the mispronunciations that I've made, basically. <laughs> um, I don't know what a little circle over an A means. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Cold marden.
0: I'll tell Did you, you what it up? means. It means get it's your a... co host to read it. <laughs> 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 well, we, right, can, well, we can find all of this out. We can here. find
2: out how badly I've pronounced these because he's here.
0: How awesome. Shall we let him in and have a yeah. treat Yeah?
2: Okay, cool. Let's here he comes. Mm.
0: No? No, it sounds very good. There you go. Just got a very deep voice.
4: (laughs) I try try to have a deep voice so you guys do not think I'm still a kid. (laughs) That's the thing.
0: Hey, they're used to working with me. (laughs) Don't worry about it.
1: Today I was deleting videos off my phone and Steve's filming insects and he sings as if the insect is singing and I'm like, I can't delete any of
0: those videos. They crack me up. Yeah, I might might have to share them one day. (laughs) <laughs> so you how you to. doing man you good yeah yeah how's um it's how's the weather in so you're in the netherlands at the moment correct how is it over there weather wise we've got a lot of snow in england
4: it's incredible because like I'm from the far south against the coastline, and normally it doesn't snow there. And now I'm at my brother's, who lives further in the country. So now it doesn't snow here, and it's snowing at my (laughs) place. What? So, But overall, it's it's like around zero. But, you know, it's kind of crazy climate regarding this climate change crap. It's just weird. Everything is weird.
1: Well, my mum and dad had snow, and they live seven minutes down the road, and, and we did not. Yeah, I didn't
2: have any. And then my friend that lives probably five miles up the road posted a video of her and her two little boys making a snowman, yeah. and it was raining in my garden. Yeah. It's not fair.
4: <laughs> it's not fair whatsoever. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh, no, yeah. So, so that that's kind of what it is here. But then, you know, you have now more. Uh, yeah, in, in the far, far south. I have to think against the german uh, border there we have one mountain believe it or not in analysis it's 350 meters high oh, man. so <laughs> not too bad <laughs> <laughs> not too bad anyway so because Even i could do that <laughs> <laughs> but, but we can le- we can't leave the country so a lot of people that normally go for skiing now go to that mountain so uh-huh. it was so busy that had to chase everybody away due to this whole Corona thing. Oh. So,
0: is it like Mount Everest? You know, when they get like the queues up there, so everyone's trying to get right. like three hundred and fifty meter mountain. What right. con- what constitutes a mountain? How high have you got to be to be a mountain? <laughs> I don't know that.
4: It's it's you know it's actually I looked that up, but it's <laughs> there is no everybody says above three hundred meters. Ah, so around it di- around this, but but you know what the th- the thing is like. 340 meters it's a hill it's like (laughs) like I I can't even say be careful everybody climbing this thing it can kill you
0: (laughs) it could kill me yeah I don't know I've (laughs) walked up some
4: hills
1: that I want to class as a mountain before
4: (laughs) (laughs) if you start to run again a whole week a half marathon you'll kill yourself as well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) well maybe maybe we'll talk about a bit of it because you are uh just, well, I think, insane is the only way to describe you the sort of stuff that you do in terms of fitness. It's just, uh, yeah, puts puts uh, well a lot of people to shame. Definitely me as I slug my way around the south of England. But yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get to that later, Peter. <laughs> yeah,
4: don't no worries. no worries.
0: So I wonder if you could give our listeners a brief, if you can, do a brief one. You can do a long one if you want. I don't know. Sort of. Um, introduction to yourself how you got into um what you got into um and yeah just just a quick rundown
4: all right all right well i guess everybody knows my name by now but i I will (laughs) say i'm peter gildjian i train animals for about 16 years now actually and i i started in the netherlands where i'm from um i worked for five years in a zoo and to get into that zoo interestingly I didn't know what to do so eventually I went to a school with animals my mom told me shouldn't you go to the army or something I say no animals it is we didn't have any animal at home so that's the crazy part then I got into the zoo and that's where they gave me an, a part-time job and then eventually I worked at five years but then I discovered as well I wanted to work with killer whales that was my dream so I thought you know what okay I went to conferences and stuff and then Interestingly, and it's, I think a lot of people are afraid of doing this, but me with my Dutch bluntness, I went. I just went like on the ice break. I think to every table, I had no idea who those people were, and I just introduced myself with my broken English, and then just talk, just see, and that's how I met like the director of *Serial Parks*. That's how I met. I was like, okay, but it got me through. So eventually, I end up in Canada working there for two years, I think, with sea lions, walruses, dolphins, belugas and stuff. And then I moved to Tenerife and that's where I worked with killer whales for one and a half year or so. Then I moved to France where I worked for a year with killer whales and then I moved to Sweden. And that's where I kind of worked eventually for five and a half years working with at the start with the dolphins and the fur seals. But then I pushed the whole training structure through the whole zoo all based on empowering techniques, which was very new. And we got pretty far so yeah so that's kind of i guess a quick rundown yeah <laughs> wow. so yeah so you've um
0: you've you've worked all over the world then that's pretty cool
4: that's uh, basically it yeah
2: the traveling is very impressive but what i find more impressive is uh your superior networking skills at a conference because <laughs> usually i like take a packed lunch and hide under a table and eat it on my own <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I, you know, my mother always told me, Peter, a no you have, a yes you can get. So I was like, I always have a no. Like, if I don't go, you have a no anyway. I love so, that. let's I... just go for it. Let's I love
3: just...
2: that. A, a no you have, a yes you can get. Right, I'm writing that down. That is my inspirational
0: quote I knew, from I knew, now yeah. on. It's stick my many. dad had so, one yeah, well, bit
1: like that. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. But, and that, but to, to no be awesome. honest, <laughs> that, you know, that was when I was still young and reckless. As of today... <laughs> I think more about, hmm, I know <laughs> yeah. who that is. May, I maybe see it,
2: maybe no is okay, actually. <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, the thing is, the thing is that I remember, like, I went to so many conferences. They were called the IMADA conferences, which is the International Marine Animal Trainers Association. It's a ca- kind of like the, you know, clicker expo, but for marine mammal mm-hmm. trainers, basically so like everybody would be there like that's where you live to and i i I went there like 10 10 times in a row every year and eventually i became vice president of this organization too which was fantastic but i developed a name at the start uh, with peter is the dancer because i used to break dance for about 15 years that's what i did there as well and then (laughs) like funny enough because before my english was pretty broken that i was in mexico at this conference and it was on there, it said, you know what, bring clothes for the banquet. I had no idea what the banquet was. I said, okay, you can Mexico, warm, tank tops, nice, you know, surf shorts, whatever. <laughs> so and then the banquet came. And then they said to me, okay, Peter, I want to see you at the banquet and whatever. So yeah, fine. So what do we dress there? Yeah, well very nice. I say what? So what? what is the banquet? And then I ended up coming with my purple pink surf shorts with my bright blue <laughs> tank top. <laughs> hello everybody <laughs> Since then, i developed this name of like the year after and the year after that people started to ask that like the organization what do you wear in a banquet and then they would always say like you know you wear nice clothes nice suit or whatever or you go like peter yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i guess that has helped yeah this is how you get ahead oh. in the world ladies and gentlemen If have everyone's you, listening,
1: have you got pictures of you at that banquet I do want to see you against everyone I want to else. see
0: you with everyone
2: else in black tie. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, that would, I, you know, I have to search for this. It might be somewhere, something, <laughs> how I was looking, but my gosh, that was something. That was something.
0: It's but, interesting you, know, you say about um, sort of having no fear when you're younger because I was, I was driving the other day past a, a skate park and I used to skateboard when I was younger. I wasn't really good i still or an, do this do, I still do, do you that doesn't surprise me um but i um i i used to do things like drop in on like small mini ramps and stuff like that and now when i drive past i'm like i just don't, i just don't think i could muster the, no the courage might to might break do it your anymore.
2: hip though stevie
0: and i
4: know <laughs> i've just got, but, but, got no, for, funny go enough like i I used to do all that stuff as well, and I'm still doing it once in a while, but my my like <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more careful, and then I see my brother he's he's doing it as well. but his way of skateboarding changed massively. He has to like look at the thing, think t- twenty times, do something else. Think 20 times, and then he goes home instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that type
0: of system. <laughs> so I, I, what I really wanted to talk to you about, we've we got some questions. We wrote some questions down. You'll be pleased to know. Um, um, <laughs> but what we really wanted to talk to you about was, um, well, mostly cooperative care. Um, we've actually, I, but kind of by chance, the, uh, we've got quite a few podcasts coming up around similar things. Now, obviously, we're a dog-centric podcast but i think you're you're branching out into the world of dog training aren't you at the moment Um you know i yes yes and no mm. <laughs> yes and no. it's it's more like i'm trying to
4: branch out to people like yourself like the consultants basically to pump up their skill because because many um do not think well, like it's not many we just don't think the same that's yeah. the thing people from the zoo world people from the dog world, or horses we don't think the same mm. that's the whole point we can learn so much from each other like if I see what, what what you guys do with all the dogs and stuff, then I'm like, why aren't we doing this in zoos? I don't understand. And then it's the same vice versa. I'm like, that's what we've
0: been doing for years. So why are <laughs> you struggling with this? Well, that's exactly what is leading me into my first question. It gave me a great segue there. Um, why, why do you think that? Is? Why do you think, especially in the world of dog training, it's more sort of like obedience trick kind of stuff first and then husbandry later when when the husbandry side of things is more, well, arguably more important, at least as important. Well, yeah, more important. I'm going to say more important. More. Um, yeah, I'd
2: say more important. Yeah, yeah,
0: without a doubt. So, why do you think that is? You know, I, I think, and it's it, to be honest, it's not only the
4: dog rope. If you see the dogs, and if you see the the horses, and even some people with goats at home and stuff. What the big difference with actual, like very? Mo- I'm talking about the modern Jew now. I'm not talking about the like the eastern somewhere
0: yeah
4: <laughs> i'm talking yeah. modern zoo yeah mm-hmm. so the, the the biggest difference is a modern zoo has existence or you having a dog or a horse is you have an animal for your pleasure while the zoo has animals for conservation efforts for so many different things so what are you going to do you're not going to train your animal for or your dog for Come to me when I call you. you no, know, you're expecting to do this. You're gonna train your animal. Look what my dog can do because it's fun to do. So there's a huge difference. Well, if I'm in the zoo, I'm not gonna train an elephant to spin around for fun if I can't. Te- if if I do not have a blood sample, if I do not have mm-hmm. foot care, the, the mm-hmm. spin around. There's no. Yeah, it's it's fun to train. It's a mental thing for the animal as well. But there's no add-on beside that yeah. is fun, mm-hmm. and that's it. So we directly think, yeah, but if you can't give the proper care to this animal, which we which we're responsible of, then why am I training a trick? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Well, and in the dog world, it's the opposite the opposite way. Look, I have a dog. How fantastic! Look what mine can do. It can roll over. It's nice. Yeah, but can your dog actually be comfortable at the vet or the the biggest one in the dog world? Apparently, clipping their <laughs> clipping their nails. Yeah, also.
0: <laughs> you
4: know? And i'm just like continuously flabbergasted about people that are like yeah but my dog can sit yeah but can i do like ca- can you actually loose leash walk it or however you want to call it no you can't say well nice with your shit, but i don't really shit. <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> like, i find that a huge difference and the similar to the horse world itself when i talk to those guys they, they're all so about The horse has to love me, their emotions, their feelings, their this, they're that. And I'm continuously about, hey, guys, we, we can talk about emotions and feelings forever, forever and ever. But there will be no plan of outcome, nothing, because we can't measure it. That's the whole point. You can't measure emotions and feelings. What we can measure is behavior. And what we do know is if I reinforce it, apparently endorphin comes out. They think it's nice and all that stuff. And behavior will come back if you did it right. That's all we know. So, and that's what you see in the horse and the dog Mm. world very much. They're very emotionally attached. They think that they know what they think. They think they know what they feel and so on. Well, in in the zoo world, we are more about specific welfare points. So we say, you know what? Yes, welfare is about emotions. We know this, but like, how much pain you have no idea how much stress you have no idea because it's all internally we just don't know so and then what we do very much is assessments and we're going to see which with training techniques or which enrichment device we're going to solve this you don't see that in the dog and the horse world Mm. whatsoever
0: so that's a huge difference between the two are you excited to see sorry now you're going to say something i'm jumping in there
2: right. I'm just going to say, I think, um, you know, from a a behaviourist point of view, we've definitely moved away from kind of purely operant work with dogs. Um, And we have this kind of nice balance, really, of enrichment and welfare. Um, And then, you know, not training for the sake of training, if that makes sense. So... Um, and I think maybe with companion animals compared to zoo animals or, you know, animals in that kind of captive environment, um, the, the husbandry side doesn't maybe fall higher to the the top of people's lists because it's quite, um, seldom if you're lucky, you know, you might only have to go for annual jabs. And I think a lot of people just hope they're going to get away with it and then get on with their lives. Um, whereas, you know, what we should be doing is doing more stuff like you guys are doing and do that continual care and cooperative care and um it's i think it's hard i think um you know i live with a a lot of kind of flighty animals so i rescue chickens ducks you can't be hands-on like you would a, a robust confident species right. as, as much so you right. do have to think outside the box a bit and think okay how on earth am I going to do this and you think about your body movement and all sorts whereas the easy thing to fall in with dogs is to get a bit of chicken and teach them to spin around in a circle or roll over <laughs> so I
4: think it's- know, that that's basically it now and that's just like in in the zoo itself we can you know you go way deeper than this because you know, I'm having now the discussions with people in general, like if they want to go for the discussion, I will do it. But let me, you know what, let me talk, for example, about my sister who really, who really likes Newfoundlanders. Now, we all know that Newfoundlanders have a double, have a double coat. They have like, it's, it's like they're, they're tough. But I explain her, I say, do you know that these dogs are actually from, first of all, Newfoundland? Do you know what they did there? She's like, no. I said, do you know why they have double coats? She says, no. I say, well, they need to pull the nets out of the cold water. That's essentially what they're bred for. So now you're bringing the dog in your house and now you will have so many issues because you do not reach the needs of this specific breed. That's essentially what you're doing, but because of your your satisfaction, you want that dog. It's like, okay, wait. So now, and if I transfer that to the zoo world, we are continuously thinking, okay, if I want to have an African lion, but I live above the Arctic, Arctic circle, well, there are questions to be asked, should we have them? And if so, how big should our indoor building be to give them the needs that we can give? So that's how far we go continuously. Then it's the question, okay, so training wise, behavior wise, if I show up at an exhibit and the animals already come running to me, the question is, the question should actually not be Am I reinforcing? You know what? I probably am because they come running to me. But at the same time, I need to ask them the question or myself Are they bored because now they come running to me? So, mm. what's happening in their exhibit is apparently not stimulating enough. That's why they see me now and come running to me, which is already a potential welfare deficit. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's the important part where we like and what I'm trying to work out very much with dog people, but also with horses. What we're doing in the zoo is if I'm cleaning, the animal needs to understand that they also can do things on their own, mm. but to be able to do things on their own and for me to be able to say that's the behavior that's species specific because the animal has no idea. It's an observational matter from us, but I can apply enrichment devices which connect safely and healthy to the species specific behavior i'm looking for so if i say do things for yourself i also have to provide them things to be able to do things for themselves till the moment i scream whatever you kiki whatever i'm screaming <laughs> that's the moment you come that's when we start and then i can always decide okay session ends but i'm not gonna walk away before you walk away or i'm gonna say to that animal okay You know what? Reinforcement or primary reinforcement stops. If you want to hang out, I'll pet you. I'll play with you, but I'm not going to feed you anymore. If you want to walk away, then we stop. So, and if I have this, I really have a very clear system for the animals in, in the zoo itself without anticipatory behavior, without much stereotypic behavior because you're focusing on all those things. In the horse world, it doesn't work that way in the dog world it doesn't work that way neither because it seems to be you guys have to tell me if i'm wrong but like enrichment is happening in the dog world which is good but the question is are they enriched to to bridge the gap or are they enriched because you're looking for behavior they have to throw out
3: hmm.
2: i think there's probably there's probably more parallels than you think but you won't find it in the kind of general dog owner population, mm-hmm. Right. but because everything you've just said about what you're trying to set up in a zoo environment is exactly how we try and live <laughs> with our dogs. Um, and, you know, we talk about species specific, but breed specific too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, knowing your breed, like you say your sister with her newfoundland, the more you know about that breed, not to be completely blanket about it and, you know, breedist, but the more you know, the more you can offer that might be fun. You know, like I've got two, two little terriers and they just love to dig and find things. So that's what I do loads of with them. Yeah. That's what they want to do. There's no point yeah. trying to push them in a different direction in terms of things they find fun.
4: No, of course. And, and, and again, I'm talking about the general public. Yeah. I, mean, I talk to plenty of dog. Well, i talk to many professionals because those are the people that I'm trying to target. But yeah. when I talk to that group of people, yes, I know they're trying, they're doing things. They're, you know, it's ex- expanding. Horserode is a lot less. <laughs> but
0: yeah. Uh,
4: private owners yeah they are doing like if I look at my brother and his, his girlfriend with his with their two dogs the needs are not met whatsoever although they think so yeah that's the difference
2: yeah I yeah I I agree with that I'm yeah. not um an equine behaviorist but I've got a lot of close friends that are and for me I I'm kind of the same I'm like well should we be keeping horses like that you know individually in a stable and I, I don't know So I can get it from your point of view, looking at us as kind of a dog-owning population and thinking, my goodness, these people are clueless.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Peter, guess what? Guess what is downstairs right now curled up on my sofa? your dog a newfoundland (laughs) (laughs) i have to say i love i love them as well just so much oh she's great she is great but but we do we do i mean you're exactly right in what you say we try we try our absolute best to meet her needs um in terms of so she goes swimming you know uh we bought we bought ourselves all sea shoes and we went out in the ocean with her like um uh in summer and stuff yeah she's she's great you know
4: this this brings me to and I try to have this discussion on my platforms as well this brings me to one specific cooperative care question and that is so let's say you know what it's for me easy to talk elephants because that's a big culture as well and and so on so elephants itself they have all these nails they have taken care of those nails but the question is why because if we understand that the problem why don't we solve the problem and don't we try to train it continuously because that doesn't solve the problem we're extremely reactive training at this point yeah
3: mm-hmm.
4: my question is then you know how can I how am I able to make that elephant do everything on their own through enrichment because apparently the substrate is not good apparently I'm doing something which doesn't work otherwise I did not have to like fix their nails
2: mm-hmm.
4: and i have sometimes the same thing and then i so i ask this up my platforms and i got people like yeah you know my dog have access to do this yeah but if they never learn to do it for themselves mm-hmm. it doesn't matter at the, anymore so you can give access what you want i can give like my, my uh well let's say i have a little kid that can't swim i give access to the pool yeah but it never swims <laughs> so, well <laughs> so what's the deal yeah so uh, you know, and I'm trying to push, push out these discussions because at the end of the story, yeah, if I keep on giving my dog the most terrible food, it becomes fat. And now all of a sudden I have to train it for, I don't know what, but the core issue is the diet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, so you're now going to train everything cooperative care with positive reinforcement strategies, which I think is fantastic. But if you never look at the fact that how it became fat, yeah. yeah, you can justify your training techniques with still giving that terrible food, if you ask me. But that's it's a really, a topic, I think, I guess. No, yeah,
2: I, I think the difference with your, your thought processes, which I'm completely 100% on board with, is definitely more of a like welfare assessment approach. So, like, when I teach about like farm welfare assessment, for example. What I find bonkers, so uh, is like oral stereotypies. So let's say pigs in a pen, they then start mutilating each other because they've got nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. So the answer is that we dock them, we take their tails off so that they don't hurt each other. And for me, that is complete backwards thinking because Mm -hmm. all we're doing is, like you say, that, that weird little fix at the end of a very long welfare problem if they had things to do which they need to do because it's it's species specific behaviors um then they wouldn't be tail biting and we wouldn't need to duck their tails and oh it's just such a once you start going down that little wormhole it's like where would you even start?
4: <laughs> but this is this is what I find extremely interesting because I'm just thinking about, it. I'm looking at, it. I'm coaching now two ladies from the UK with their horses, and I'm talking about those things. I'm I'm am i I'm coaching an a dog consultant in 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 the US, and she's also like, I never thought about this. <laughs> like, huh? Okay, I never, you know. So and that's that's what we are trying to continuously elicit in our webinars and our talks and our articles saying look what if it's like this like if we're gonna talk emotions and feelings what why can't it be like this then if you don't tell me that's not true yeah but who
0: says so because we don't know i I wanted to ask you a question about targeting um i whenever i see and i'm in no way an expert but whenever i see sort of videos of zero zero animals um maybe um, trained to give blood draws, things like that. Um, A lot of it um, seems to involve targeting. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that, Peter.
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. So now, especially in the zoos, what you see very, very often is the protective contact idea. Now, not only there, we also do free contact, but many zoos do protective contact. Now, what we're doing to move our animals in position is, especially in protective contact where you can't go in, I don't want to go in with the tiger or something, but <laughs> you need to position them. So that's where you teach a target. Now, it can be a stick with a tennis ball, with whatever, whatever you want to have it. And then you teach it to touch it with their, with their face, with their hip, with their legs. You can use double target. It's for us just to move them in a specific position. But at the end, the target is just a tool that will help you reach your goal. So I'm personally, I'm not a big fan of using targets continuously. The target should be part of your, um, of your learning uh, of that behavior to that individual. And at the end of the story, you have an animal looking at you. I'm saying tail. It turns around, gives me the tail. Thank yeah. you. That's what I would like to have because I can use targets continuously. But if I take them away, believe it or not, you get a more focused animal, which is what you have. But, but a target can also be the scale. So you have a target position you have targets as in stations, which are target positions. So but that all helps us. If, I, if I'm working with one animal and I have a target position in another exhibit and I'm saying, okay, go target or go to that station, now I can safely close that gate behind them if I want to. So therefore, targets and stations are for us so extremely important because we have more control of our, of our animals that we are working with.
0: I guess the time you put into training all these things as well, because it must take a lot of patience and consistency at the beginning. But then, I, you know, you, you must make that time back. You, if, you, if you're having to move a lot of animals around from one place to another or trying to herd them, I guess, into places, then why not put the money in the bank in terms of teaching things like targeting, recalls, things like that, so that yeah. you, you haven't got to waste all of that time. And manpower, I guess, as well is another issue. Well, you know, and that,
4: that's what we're standing for complete. Yeah, I wrote an article about winning time and stuff. And it's okay. it was incredible because we did, and this was in Sweden, uh, like three years or so. We had like this group of, you, know, you might have seen the video, but it was about like they had 21 chimpanzees. They had like three or four keepers. How are you going to train each individual? It's almost impossible, and then they also have four gorillas and four gibbons. It's like how, how then? So then we decided. Okay, first of all, how long does it take the keepers to get the whole group from one area to another? And that took them forty-five minutes. And I thought, yeah, well, if you do that twice a day, three keepers, well, you count. It's like mm. it's a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So then we decided. You know what? Let's let's put in the only change we're gonna make is you come in and you get something. That's all. No, and that time went, p- p- we pushed it down to 10 minutes or something directly. Wow. Then we applied motivation strategies where, like, I'm a very big fan of uh, variation. So the animals should never know what they're going to get, but they know they're going to get something. And that idea of, of curiosity, that, that, like, motivation that comes out of it brings that time directly even further down. So at the end, I was there one day, and this was, like, I think, one and a half year ago, I was there one day and I asked them, What are you guys going to do? I said, Oh, we're just moving the chimpanzees from the indoor exhibit to the boxes so we can clean. So, all right. So, can I watch? So, yeah, yeah. it's all right So, I'm just, I said, Okay, can I just stand here? So, yeah, no problem. So, they were doing their things, preparing everything. I said, Okay. So, I'll wait. Yeah, we're going to do it right now, they say. So then they made that signal they opened those gates and then I was done. I like, Okay. And I told them, I said, That was it. I said, Yeah. Yeah, now we can go clean. It's okay. I said, But that took you 15 seconds like yeah (laughs) (laughs) the most normal thing it was like oh my gosh what just happened here but you know the cool thing is there with three three times 15 seconds or three times 45 minutes times two and whole day well there you have it and then you can apply a whole different system so we we focus a lot a lot on that efficiency and like from us from suspenseful itself i'm trying to pass this through to everybody's okay like, hey, people you can decide not to train but first of all if you have to hurt five to six uh, uh, with five to six people those animals in in the future of these animals like focusing on you they're gonna see you as a very negative person mm-hmm. so and if one escapes while you're hurting it next time you have to come with 10 people because they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna learn themselves <laughs> tricks to avoid <laughs> that pressure so and the same for you know. Let's catch it. Let's hold it. Yeah, but you better hold it because if you if you let it go, they get stronger and more confident. So at the end, you're sitting with ten people on that goat instead of one. <laughs> yeah. So but that's why I did an um, I did an, an uh, it was called cooperative care in emergency uh, situations where I talked about you know what emergency situation happens. Your your dog is not trained for something. It, it you know sorry but now I have to otherwise it dies or otherwise something happens but then still you can think about the classical conditioning part you can still think you know what so we have to catch this animal is it smart that me as the primary trainer should now catch it or shall I just ask my neighbor that never trains my animal can you just hold it so there's no connection between me and the negative situation as but long as I, it's not
0: a tiger right <laughs> as long as it's not a tiger, <laughs> no, it's a tiger but if it's a tiger I call you I got one on my hat like,
3: yeah, no, like,
4: oh there you go <laughs> no but so and, and then uh, because you have those situations we just have to understand how that classical conditioning works because if I'm training that goat to come to me all the time and we had one situation that was they trained a group of bisons to come on signal and then they didn't come, what do they do? They hurt them with tractors in. And it's like the biggest like, like smack against the trust to your animals you can do is this. It's like the most stupid yeah. thing what happened. And I was like, hey guys, do you guys understand what you have built up for six months, you threw away within an hour down the drain. Mm. Like, well, what do you mean? I say, well, you first call them five times They don't come and then you start to push them in i say that that's nice it's like basically basically i'm asking you to come to me you come to me i'll give you candy now i ask you to come to me again and i slap you in the face how Mm -hmm. are you gonna feel next time you're gonna be like uh but maybe i get a slap in the face yeah but maybe you get a candy as well yeah you become so insecure that sometimes becomes frustrating and dangerous so it's like uh people (laughs) we have to think about the effect on behavior not on the animal and then Start to think differently
2: i'm about 18 months into rebuilding that trust with a, a rescue wolfhound so <laughs> not that i'm into you know picking animals up against their will or anything like that but i don't have that option he's 80 kilos you know if he wants to run away he can run through me that's you know fine and that's what's happened to him he's he's lost trust particularly in doorways where he's been bribed through with food and then had a door slammed on him mm-hmm. and it's taken me well we're, we're only just at the stage 18 months on where he'll happily walk through a, a doorway um and he'll have to kind of psych like your brother with the skateboarding he's got to psych it up psych <laughs> himself up for it a bit and check that i'm not behind him right and you know it takes a lot of thought about where you stand when mm-hmm. you move what when you offer food when you don't because i don't want to poison it as a bribe um and it's you know it, it working with a traumatized dog i think is very much working with a potentially dangerous wild animal in captivity because they're flighty mm-hmm. they could turn aggressive if they're um that scared um so it's 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 been really interesting but it like everything you say it takes so much time to build up and it can be gone like that
4: the, th- the thing is if you know this you're gonna you're gonna think about it yeah if you don't you start thinking about yeah i call it short term decisions mm. yeah for now it for now it works yeah but what what works for now what has happened is that you are actually destroying a lot for your future so and if you don't think about that now then you'll have an animal that's going to bite you someday because yes you're saying now yeah but it has it has to be it has to be healthy again that's correct but you have to have a healthy relationship with your animal otherwise yeah the welfare is still down even though it, it, it it like it's bleeding somewhere so it's a very it's very difficult but i i do think that a lot of experience comes in there as well because if you've experienced things like you know um like uh, what was it i did and um i uh, i did a consulting in norway and like one of the goats like it, it had an issue with the leg so it needed to have some antibiotics and they want to um put it obviously under their skin so you put like a needle in and all that stuff say well how are you gonna do it yeah, well it's not trained for it yeah we're training the animal but so I just grabbed a bucket of food and I tried to stuff its face in that bucket of food in the hope that we can do it that way it didn't work but then at the end you know what I'm only consulting here for you I will hold it and grab it so it makes it connection more with me than the rest you guys do the rest and we directly have to put that bucket in their face. And we feed it like hello, see, we're fine. So but I was crawling around on my knees through. I just hold I think I gonna hold that goat because if I do not hold that goat, it get the confidence to go. Now imagine that you're with three persons on a dolphin. It's like you're doing a rodeo, but you have to hold on. Mm-hmm. How much it hurts. But you prefer not to have these situations. That's the yeah. thing but sometimes you you have to
0: i've got a a client at the moment um who has found themselves in a real bad situation not for any fault of anyone really but their their dog has got like a severe food allergy um so they can only the only food that they can use to give the dog is like this really bland type sort of dry food that they're using um, and it needs to be medicated, but it really is really bad at being handled. So the only way they can get the medication in, well, they've got this a syringe that they can deliver it in with. But the syringe kind of fires, the. it has to be tablet, right. it's only tablet form, so it fires it down. But in order to get the syringe in the dog's mouth, they got to hold it, but the dog doesn't like being handled. So every day, you know, that trust you know, is being broken. I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, you know, they've been talking to the vets for different delivery methods of the drug. Um, Yeah, I really feel for them because, you know, in an ideal world, we're living in a pandemic, but in an ideal world, like you're saying, you could get someone else to do it. And then, you know, maybe, you know, you're not looking at that. But I was just thinking about having to build that back up after all of this has gone on. Um, I, I do really feel for them. It's difficult that's the thing mm. you
4: know and, and therefore i do believe that cooperative care is one of the ways to go i mean your animal never had the issue of nails that are like bad mm. well it doesn't matter teach it because that one day you need it you mm. need it um, a big one is a mouth open behavior a lot of people say yeah no i'm not going to train this yeah but if an animal doesn't eat like nine out of the ten times, there's something going on in their throat or with their tooth. So how are you gonna check it out if they can't open their mouth reliably? Mm-hmm. You're gonna grab, pull, it open up, mm-hmm. and there we have an, another, uh, 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 like, punishment way of doing it, mm-hmm. so to say. Teach a mouth open. It's difficult, but you need it. Guarantee. Mm-hmm. And the same for you know injections. Yeah, the, the the first ten steps of your approximations are the same as a blood sample. So there you go yeah and so you know, it's like if you need to have that injection once a year it doesn't matter because it goes with joy to the vet it's fun life is good that's what it comes down to and that's that's why we we keep on training it with our animals in the zoo because yeah you you try to force an elephant it's, it's not going to happen
2: mm. but even if we don't get to that perfect you know dog trotting into the vet and happily saying hello Mm -hmm. to everyone that kind of husbandry training is still going to make it less stressful Mm -hmm. you know that there isn't it's not a kind of um it's more of a gradient isn't it from no stress to stress and you can be anywhere on that and i think maybe sometimes people either give up because they don't see the progress they want or maybe their end goal is a little
4: bit too far But well, you know and that's definitely a thing but that's where so i'm having one webinar coming up and that is called uh more control to your animal and cooperative care and what you're basically doing is instead of you petting the dog you're going to ask it if it wants to be pet mm-hmm. instead of you um doing all these desensitizations and the animal has to stay still you make the animal come to the objects instead mm-hmm. because now you do not bring the potential pressure of something new towards the animal no you let the animal decide how how close it can come and then obviously you empower it to do so but Mm -hmm. it's it's such a small difference but a huge difference for that animal
2: yeah Mm. like it's huge I mean how many how many recalls have we seen messed up because people get so excited their dogs come over they've eaten the corned beef or whatever and then they go oh my god i love you so much and that's too much and what we sh- what i know we all teach is you know give the reinforcement walk away again so yeah. the animal is you know the dog is, is choosing to follow you and it's as simple as that but it they're the i really like that short-term decisions thing like it's exactly what Stephen corin do every day in the puppy classes trying to get through to people that the decisions and the things you do now are about having a happy life together mm. but uh, you know i don't know whether people really know what their dog needs and so it's a really hard message sometimes
4: it's you know it's it's very difficult but that's why that's why i try to teach people to put themselves in an environment where you clearly can see if the animal wants it yes or no so if i go to the dog and pet it the dog might as well go directly in the worst cases learned helplessness or they just sit there which does not mean they enjoy it whatsoever Mm -hmm. but if i'm standing there like whatever like this and the dog now comes to me and puts his whole body in my hands well i'm guessing you want to be pet so and i'm starting to pet it you know what let me make sure i pet it i stop i do a step back and it directly pushes his body in my hands. well there you go so and the difference is only it is only this much but the dialogue is so much more clear for me to what the animal wants that's what it essentially comes down to mm. Same for, as i already said the desensitization part like having new objects coming to the animal itself i still don't know anything I do not know if the stress level goes up i do not know if they're afraid i do not know if this is now learned helplessness i have no idea but if i put the object at one specific spot and i'm asking the animal to come close but the animal doesn't want to come close i have a dialogue of "Uh aha you're too scared of that thing it's interesting
0: what you said there about um about the sort of consent if you like, for want of a better expression. Um Corinne was doing that this morning with our little Jack Russell something we've been doing for a little while, isn't it now? And um oh. and she's absolutely yeah, ador- to... adorable. Um and so when you when you like touch her and then you take your fingers off of her, she'll either like scoop your hand up with her whole face and be like, you'll carry on, or sometimes she She was
1: just doing this morning she was just going. Then I come back and do it again and then she'd go. A poor but again. obviously as soon as steve got the camera out to catch that she just yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: you, you, will, you will always have this yeah, but yeah I, i'm i'm all in for that you know i i need i need to fix a communication method with my animal where i can clearly see you enjoy it or you don't and not me trying to push because I want you to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what it goes wrong now in the 10 times. Yeah. That people get bit. And so I was like, it's the same in, in Norway. They say, yeah, the ferrets, they're biting. I say, oh. He says, so explain to me how you handle them. Well, yeah, we picked them up. We know we pet them and eventually they start to bite. I say, but do you ever ask them if they want to be picked up? No, 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 you just picked them up. We start to pet. I say, okay. Do you ever ask them? to say is this enough for you you can go if you want to stay we keep on going no we never do I say so who decides that these animals should be pet and picked up yeah that's us I say well there's your answer mm. so you never asked you never like observed you just want to do it because you want to hold the fluffy thing because you want to pet it but does the animal want it you know and that's well I guess you can refer it almost to these terrible little chihuahuas or something <laughs> <laughs> just, like we carry them around they
0: bite me they do and it's like yeah but okay do you think so a lot of the, to... sorry for it do you, do you think a lot of the issue is the sort of time it takes for these things so, so just going back i wrote this down because the, the mouth open that really i was like that what a great thing to train mouth open. and then i'm thinking right well, how would i train that and i'm thinking well i might be wrong that might tell me something different can be here but i'm thinking you'd have to shape that in some way shape or form wouldn't you for one of a better expression um uh so you know when it comes to shaping something you know the time it would take you know those tiny little approximations leading up to you know can you train your dog to keep their mouth open or whatever animal it might be do you think that's the issue in in cooperative care the sort of time it takes to do stuff with with dogs yeah and
4: i think not only with dogs actually i yeah, think yeah. the biggest issue is not the time the biggest issue is because people don't understand they disagree mm. and i think that's the problem because if i explain them step by step slice everything up talking to them about you know and as perfect example is so why do you think your dog pulls so much on the on the leash yeah, Well, otherwise he runs away so why do you think he runs away yeah, no way, because he sees other things. What if I tell you that the relationship with the dog is so poor, and that's why he's running away?
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking, man. You can't <laughs> tell
2: people their dogs don't love them.
4: <laughs> but this Even is the if it's true. <laughs> it's the biggest self-reflection in the world, Yeah. The dog. But if you don't want to face that, you don't want to understand it, and then you're against right away. So and it's the same with this. I know you can train everything and anything what you want, if we can train sea, I am not sure if you ever saw the video, but if we can train a sea a gastroscopy in its stomach wow. to cut out an, an, an abscess or whatever and pull it back, and it's all like under control and no, not any anesthesia. If we can train this, we uh, nail clipping or a mouth open is piece of cake. So, but it's all the matter of how I am going to explain that to you and how which technique fits to the learner. Now, I am not talking about Am I gonna shape it through targets? Am I gonna shape it through capturing the behavior? Am I gonna shape there's a lot of things that fit specific individuals, but I think a bigger issue is if people don't understand, they're just dis- they disagree. Yeah. Right away.
0: Yeah.
1: That's epic with the sea lion. I had to have a camera down my nose once and I wasn't, I don't think I was that compliant. <laughs> Did they no, give you any mackerel? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have made well, it I
4: can, worse. I, I, can, I can send you the video if you like. So you just have to tell me this and I'll send you the video. That would be like, great. Yeah, well, I can—I think it's on my face so I can tag you in it. But it's mm-hmm. like, if you see that, then it, yeah, if, if you can't have your dog to sit, then I'm like, look people look what's happening here
2: okay so I'm going to ask you a controversial question then on that on that same lines how do you feel about uh, a lot of the training that you've talked about is is you know positive reinforcement and understanding the the animal's ethology and environmental requirements how do you feel about using um tools such as electric shock collars to train
4: I'm, I'm 100 out of the picture here. I'm like, I think you're. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can swear here, but I think <laughs> you the. I saw when you using that stuff. You can say whatever you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, for, for me, it's basically like if people are using it, I'm always asking the question. I say, you know what? I, I can't scream at you because I want to bring information over to you. If I scream, it's not gonna work. So you know what so what are you teaching your dog with this yeah they have to stop barking say so, okay but do they do do you teach them to do something else instead or you just tell them stop this but you never tell them what else to do no you just should just understand i say but so if i just once in a while smack you in the face but i don't tell you <laughs> i do not tell you what what you should do how confused are you going to be it's like, well, yeah, that's going to be confusing. And Now think about your dog and your shock collar and your whips and your yeah. whatever is all on the market. I'm just like saying for, you know, I believe personally, like with elephants that use a hook. Hey, people, with the right people, the right strategy, the right trainers, we can work them in free contact. The thing is, it's a big risk of your life. Mm. You know, if, if you work with killer whales, same thing. It's. Every day you go to work with this can be my last day. Every day. Well, you you choose for this, and it's a big stress. But you know, you're using reinforcement techniques, and we know it's possible. So, and if every time I see somebody using a whip or whatever, I'm just like, nah, no, 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 no. I'm out. I'm hundred percent out, out of the picture, completely. I'm. It's it's for me. It's a no go. Do I use it sometimes? Yes. Because if I have to catch an animal because of its own health, I'm the biggest punisher in the world. If I do not have a choice, sorry, but now I have to. Otherwise, it's going to die. But I'm also that person that says, you know, I have a dog and the vaccination is too late and I want to train it. You know what? Let's just hold it, do it. And from the day after, now we have a year or whatever, let's train it. Boom. Now we have time. Because I'm not going to push it. Mm -hmm. Because then you get that, yeah, but everything is good. Yeah, but my behavior is not done yet. But we're still going to do it. And I get an insecure animal again. Mm -hmm. So it's all in. Stop. Now we move. So, And I'm all into this. And I'm really trying to push that forward continuously. But the issue with these punishment techniques is it's extremely effective. But people do not see the longer outcome of this. People do not understand that the dog... Is actually wanting to kill them or jump to the throats? They cannot observe this behavior. The same for the horses. That the like the biggest one for me was. Well, and I'm talking elephants now, but they're using those, those those like those bullhooks, and I'm I'm I say no directly, but it's very difficult to explain this because what I've what I've observed was trainers trying to introduce two elephants to each other and one was going after the other one and i personally think part of introductions is telling each other off not me to the animal but animal to animal and it's depending on if that takes an hour i have a problem but if that takes me th- that takes them a growl and a and a bark for 2 minutes well there's communication between the two mm-hmm. you need to have this it's actually a very normal thing the the, the problem is like the the, the amount of time or the length it happens but anyway so they're introducing these elephants one elephant goes on on the other and it just gets the, the hardest smack in the head with this anchors and i'm like standing there. so now i have a choice like okay am i just gonna stand here scream at this trainer am i just gonna afterwards ask okay so explain me this technique because now i want to know And I'm already against it 100%. I just need the trust of this trainer to then change it. Mm -hmm. So And then I went around, asked around, and I knew that the management was slowly busy with it already. Then we changed it. We went to protective contact. Everything was eventually empowering stuff. So these elephants were a little bit like, hmm, What, what do you want? We kind of observed only after three years in that, uh, in that change afterwards, they started to make their own choices again, their own decisions. Not wanting to participate, that's okay. Before, you don't want to participate, you better do. Come on. Mm-hmm. That's how it went. So all of a sudden, you teach them your own decision is okay. And if you observe this, that's, that's a very big one. In the horse world, you still see, I want to ride the horse i want you to do this mm-hmm. i want you to do that but nobody's asking hey shall we ride? yes or no do you just want to go for a walk or can i sit on your back Let's
0: or that's yeah, why i think
4: either. i don't know if you ever heard about the study with the rugs in norway with the the
1: rugs,
4: no. No, the rugs you know the the, the, the the those blankets on the horses oh yes mm-hmm. okay. what they did is they te- they trained the horses for go outside then you come back or something, and then I'll show you. Do you want a rug or no? And then the, the the horse decides. If the horse thinks it's too cold, yes. If the horse thinks it's okay, no. All right. Instead of me deciding, you have to. So and now you get like this whole different system. Therefore, I'm completely like tools, punishing tools. Uh, then then don't take an animal. You you can't take an
0: animal if your plan is already using a shock collar. You can't. That's ridiculous yeah it's a shame it's still so popular in certain places and certain corners of the training world it's uh
1: so i, I had a question so do you mainly use food as um reinforcement with your training
0: no
4: no no she not. the thing is this if if i so the, the interesting part was like a lady, again, in Norway, she does search and rescue. Now, and I've never seen this in my life. So I wanted to see. And she's actually with her dog. She's extremely good. It's incredible. So she shows how this works. So one person goes into the forest. Obviously, it's a practice. The dog is cute for go for it and starts to make these eight loops through the forest just to try to find that smell. And it's working its way through the forest and using the wind to find you so eventually it finds me then it puts like this rope he has uh, along his neck he puts it in his mouth runs away to the to the owner then the owner says okay now i know you found it because the thing is in your mouth so there's dialogue here then the owner says show me and then the dog runs and the owner runs after and the person is found it's fantastic to watch Then we were training this with other dogs. And the issue was people using the exact same reinforcement. So if the dog knew you have something else with you, yeah, I'm not going to do it because it could smell, it knew some way or the other that that reinforcement isn't there. So I'm out. I'm not even going to do it. So in in that case, it was a big issue. But if I look at zoo animals, I'm extremely into motivating those animals to learn with me how can I do that change my reinforcers then the question is how am I going to do it when I need to do that gastric thing if I can't feed them mm. and what am' I gonna do now mm. <laughs> yeah there's a problem so and therefore we are continuously looking for different things it can be we even reinforce with their mates hey if you do this now you can go to your mate it's a mm-hmm. huge reinforcer in some cases mm-hmm. uh, you know premat principles I'm not yeah. sure yeah that's that's used so much but i'm a true believer of the fact that your animal has told you already plenty of times what it would like to have as a reinforcer before you even planned it and if you pick up on those things oh you don't even have to use food all the time you can use a lot of different and with the dolphins we use their own energy so I'm just like pretending that I'm going to do something, but I do something else. So you break that predictable pattern. And some dolphins, <laughs> they've gone completely mad <laughs> just like, <laughs> through the roof. It was fantastic to watch. So I'm, I'm a big fan of stepping, not stepping away from food,
0: but using many different ones. So it's not mm-hmm. predictable. Mm-hmm. You must have learned to be such a keen observer of all of these different kind of animals. I mean, I know we, we've talked about observing a lot, haven't we, Nat? This is one of Nat's mm. favourite things to do in a pub. I'm um,
2: a behaviour geek. I just like sitting and work. That's why I love the ducks. I, I watched them for about an hour today, just learning about them and what the, what they're doing and who likes doing what and who's friends with who. And...
4: <laughs> you know, I remember one lady telling me, this was with the killer whales, she says to me, Peter, if you have nothing to do, watch the watch the animals. Okay, like, whatever. Yeah, watch them. You'll learn so much more than when you work with them. It's like, mm. okay. So I started to do this, but like I a couple of years ago, I discovered as well. I'm kind of an empathic person, but not just to people, but a lot to animals as well. And from my interest in psychology, and training animals, working on the positive and understanding through consequences, which sometimes we can't control, why animals do what they do yeah i I, like this summer um, due to corona i lost my job in sweden i went back to the netherlands and i worked back on a restaurant i used to work at when i was young just to get through that period of time but like i'm sitting there on the beach seeing all these people with their dogs i just get extremely sad and that's my biggest issue so i'm continuously observing people observing dogs and i can't I can't stop this. This is just happening to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So and I'm observing. Same with horses. With people that work the horse, and I'm just looking. And I'm not even looking at the person. I'm just looking at them like the, the tools they have. Mm-hmm. i I directly go into this sad pattern. Like directly. At the same time, if I see people and I even though their clicks are wrong, even though the timing of reinforcement <laughs> is wrong, it like I get this spark; it makes me happy. Like, look, they're trying. We're all look, nodding away are...
1: here, aren't we? Oh my we've god! We've all completely. done this. We've literally all I tri- gone down the road and be like, Woo.
2: Yeah. <laughs> my my favourite is when you see some doddery old bloke that you think you know wouldn't be into positive reinforcement at all because of all the stereotypes, right. and, then, and then they cross the road with their little dog, and then they reach down and give him a little bit of cheese or something. You just think, "I love you!" <laughs> <laughs>
4: mad because like well as 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 you might know i'm doing quite some sports as well i'm i'm running and i'm seeing this guy and this this he's walking his his white dog a pretty big dog and the dog's off leash and he calls his dog and the dog stays on his side he already reaches in his pocket like he's already prompting something and i already knew what he was going to do And I thought, okay, so most likely the problem is that if runners or people that pass by, whatever, is the issue. So he's already reaching in. So the dog's looking at me, but he hears something, looking at the owner. So I'm passing by, like, big smile on my face. And I'm looking back, and the first thing he does is reinforce the dog. He's like, there you go. So there are people who understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, think. Very I had somebody apologise
1: to me on a walk the other day so we passed them and um she was with somebody else and uh, she gave her dog a piece of food and then she said oh one of my other friends tells me off for using food and i just said no it's great and just walked off because I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to get into a big conversation with you as i'm passing but i don't want you to think that i'm judging you for using food with your dog no okay.
4: <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah, it's, I'm, I'm. I enjoy observing. That's for sure. But it also has like, like observing in the zoo is a lot easier than on the street. Let me tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's just happening. And I, what I like to do too, like you already said, when you're sitting in the pub observing yeah. how people respond to each other, you can quite quite quickly figure out who's on the first Tinder date and all that stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you find yourself um, more drawn towards? Um, learning about human behavior um as much as you do with animals pia
4: yes and the, the interesting part is actually i've done um, and I, I would like to pick it up again but i've done this in the last zoo that i worked at in sweden i've done this program or what's called training animals training people so how could businesses be better to the employees by using the same strategies we are doing on animals in the zoo oh,
0: that's really interesting
4: the the the, the yeah, the the cool thing was that we we tried to change this whole system through reinforcement strategies. That's what we're going to use. And the goal is positive reinforcement, nothing else. So we're going to take that. We did our camels, you know, it was still that very like dominance way. Elephants, the same thing. Um, the lions, you might have seen that Rico was very much yeah. herding them inside. And all. We, step by step, we took all that away. And eventually they told me, say, so Peter, we want to do this program with you and people at the hotel that you were talking about your job and all the stuff and what came out was this program which was a three-hour program and we the goal was to show the zoo obviously what we would do so i would do an introduction talk about training animals training people like what is what's the same and i would get into choice and control so if i instead of me giving a paycheck to a person which is very short-term reinforcement instead i'm gonna say you know what Here's your project. Do it wherever, whenever, with whomever, late in the pub or not in the morning. I don't know what. It's up to you. Then there's more motivation coming out of this than when you give that paycheck. Because at the end of the year, they're going to ask you another paycheck. And eventually they're going to ask you for another bonus and bonus. So apparently it doesn't work. Otherwise... (laughs) So, and then we went through this and then we showed through the zoo how we are using choice and control and consent, like with videos and exams. And then I'm using the clicker training game for people to train each other to make them understand that, look, this is how it works. And then to make them understand, hey, it's now human, human. Can you imagine that if I have an elephant that doesn't understand if I want to shake its hand and it will shake my hand <laughs> because it's universal language. So, so we are i really enjoy it to 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 listen to this and there's there's an, one book it's called drive and it's from daniel pink i'm not sure if you ever heard about this man i'm
0: gonna write it down though. write that down drive
4: drive the book is called drive it's from daniel pink i suggest you watching a TEDx from him ha- from him on youtube TEDx? and okay. then the book is very cool, but I took a lot of ideas out of that human psychology idea. And I'm continuously wondering, does it work the same way with animals? And how can we test this? And the, the, obviously, I believe the master of this system is Franz who <laughs> He's just, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's, he's a primatologist. And he, he tests empathy and fairness and all these kind of gray areas. Yeah has a way to test this with animals and stuff just to see if it's there because we're sure if it's there but science needs to know so let's test yeah so and through those stories yeah i, I just try to apply it to people but i also apply it to, to animals and then i have my mother sitting at the table and she's saying some some <laughs> some stuff and i'm just like mom listen and then the first thing she says to me peter I'm not an animal, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this, Mom, but psychology is the same for us as for animals, unfortunately. No, that's not true. <laughs> <me> the whip. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh... I I find it very interesting, yes. It
0: is. It is really, really interesting. I I can see we're we're zooming over the hour mark now, um, but... uh, Shall I finish on this one then? Because I think it leads
1: into something
0: for it. I've got... Well, actually, I've got another question. Yeah, you go. You go. Go.
1: I know you've got a webinar coming up soon, so I thought I'd ask. um, Errorless learning versus uh, you learn from your mistakes. What's your view on it?
4: So, um, I believe that you can train without any mistake zero and i 100 percent believe that animals are only doing things that reinforces them
3: Mm.
4: and if i'm if you're looking at it like this then you can directly say unwanted behavior is in the eyes of the trainer incorrect behavior is in the eyes of the trainer um you, you name it all but the animal will always do things that's reinforcing to them so if we understand this Training becomes even easier, really. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So it's it's a base. It's essentially understanding how does errorless training work. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the antecedent arrangement? How can I build an environment before I even train to make sure that it's most likely the behavior that you're looking for will be performed almost directly after I put the animal in that environment. I'm going to talk about, you know, the the LRS is another one, uh, which is a huge topic. And I'm not sure if you you guys ever heard about the LRS, but it's the least reinforcing scenario. So, very easily said, okay, and this is very simple what I'm going to say, because I do not have five hours to explain (laughs) this. But very easily said, you're basically telling your animal, it's all right, as long as you have the motivation to keep going, I'll reinforce you. That's what it comes down to so if i'm asking give me your paw and you don't no problem you're still there i'll reinforce you the fact that you're here mm-hmm. that you didn't walk away that yeah. you didn't bite me that you didn't chase your buddy that that frustration didn't go up that no you're still here good let's try again yes and only for this i should reinforce already mm-hmm. so essentially in this error errorless learning thing i'm trying to change your perception towards your animal saying the animal does things the right way continuously it's just you who have to recognize those things mm-hmm. i love that and that's where it comes down to mm. and when's when's this is it a webinar or is it a... yeah exactly it's it's a webinar i think it's on the 11th no, to... oh, oh hello just, penny huh? yeah
3: i've just i've just
2: looked it up it's it's on the 11th of February, 8 o'clock. It is a bargain, €14.99. Euros. We'll put a link to it on the podcast. And a bark yeah, warning. So. <laughs> <laughs> a bark warning.
1: That's uh, the next door neighbor's dog is a new dog, and uh, Penny still still likes to join in. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm trying to listen to the question the dog has, but I can't really talk to Anne. <laughs> But yeah so that's that's the that's the thing exactly 14.99 we are trying to keep our prices super super low and that's especially because of um um because of zookeepers because many zookeepers they they ask their companies to pay in the corona time that's not going to work most mm. of the time so we pr- try to put our prices as low as possible so and then we now try to focus on the horse and the dog people as well and i do discover that this is a little bit of my tricky area because it's like yeah you know what should i put myself very cheap but then do people take me serious mm-hmm. but if i put it very high then my actual group of people the zoo people will not pay for it anymore so
0: dilemma <laughs> it is a dilemma it's one that we're constantly constantly battling with i think you should put yourself uh, quite high
4: <laughs> I- i'm trying to but you know, are you going for one person that pays 200 euro or are you going to go for 50 people that pay
0: 20 yeah, this euro? this is the thing, isn't it? This is the yeah.
4: thing. Yeah. So, and that's the difficult part. But, you know, it, it's, it's finding your ways, finding your things and trying to work a little bit with, with some other guys from other countries as well. And it's, you know, if they're in the dog world, they say, well, we just ask like 25 euros for something like this. I say, well, if I'm going to ask this, I might have two persons. Nobody <laughs> yep. else. Yeah. Because it's just not going to work. So, and, and I try to find a balance there. And at the same time, I'm trying to show, look, dog world. I'm here. If you want to learn about how we do it in the zoo, if you want to have a complete other perspective of your training, cooperative care, the way we look at it, and how we can help you give you t- tips and tricks, we are here. This is our price. So it might be cheap for you, but... Yeah, I, I and I cannot say, do you have dogs? Yeah. Okay, then you pay 150 euros. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I, pay 20. I can't do that.
2: Well, I'm pretty sure some of our lovely people are gonna listen to this and just be amazed by what you've been chatting about. <laughs> you've been fascinating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. a really
2: nice match of like the ethos that we all work towards as well. So it's it's been fantastic.
4: I'm very happy you like it. Yeah, I could talk about this forever. (laughs) Oh, so could we?
0: (laughs) And are you um are you going to get involved in uh, getting shape timber next year so that I can beat you
4: this (laughs) year? You
0: tried, buddy.
4: No, yeah, you know who, who knows? I'm actually um. I'm training for a new triathlon again, and I'm trying to get myself stronger. Last year, I did my first ultra. So, If you want to run an ultra with me, Steve, we can. How many is that?
1: So please don't break him.
4: An ultra. <laughs> an ultra is more than a marathon.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah, I've yeah. got this. Over,
4: over a marathon is like ultra. So, five,
0: five half marathons in a row. And I actually, I did know that that week I did outrun you, Peter. Can I just say that? No?
4: I know, but...
0: (laughs) There is always a big part. yeah.
4: But I'm still running.
0: Yeah, all
1: right. (laughs) Steve, literally the other day, we were walking around the field and was just so happy about the exercise that he did once last year. (laughs) just thought he, he could take the rest of the year off. I was like... Perhaps we should do less, but more often, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. And
4: I, you know, I knew this. Because when I checked this out, I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah.
1: Oh, we all do
2: it. We all live off that one bit of exercise for far too long. Like, mm, Can I have another cake? Because I ran 5k four months ago. <laughs> yeah, I can.
0: Matt, you, you should have heard the noise that came out of my mouth the other morning when I tried to put one of my socks on. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think you know the 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 interesting thing is like that group is getting bigger and bigger. You know that that shaped them a crew. It's like geez, like what? There's 200 people in the group. It's like people just running and doing and joining live sessions and what. I was like wow. Uh, I
0: really really enjoyed it when um uh so when the pandemic first hit, I think about a month afterwards because everyone was staying inside. We did that this kind of it was just yeah doing stupid things like doing home workouts and things like that and. We had loads of... Well, you got involved in you? you did one for us with the bricks. Yeah, I was ruined after that. Um,
2: oh, were you the brick man? Yeah. Are you the oh, brick man? okay. <laughs> I just watch. I don't do any of them. I just watch and go, why are these people doing this?
0: <laughs> <When you're eating. laughs>
1: yeah, with all my dogs and yeah. a wood burner. <laughs> I, when, also, again, when I was deleting videos today, now I found one that I sent to you, which was me deadlifting a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because
2: I went, I went on the treadmill with my wine as well. I'm joining in today.
0: There were so many people that were just really, really, just generous with their time. That did guest um, Scott McLaughlin, who's been like a world kettlebell champion, was doing these special little things for us. It was, it was lovely. It was really nice. And
1: then you had Steve turning up in a wig and a beer. <laughs> He was out of <laughs> sorry, sorry, secrets out. <laughs> well,
4: but that, then you got Taz as well, and yeah. I still have to laugh about this man He's like throwing axes or whatever he's on Have you, you know?
0: seen Making him Making axes sh- and th-
2: then throwing them. Have you seen
0: him juggling kettlebells recently? Have you seen yes. that? So but what whatever. is he doing? What is what? he doing? He's gonna
2: drop them on his head. Steel toe shoes.
4: <laughs> the I I still think like he must have he must have been very New Zealand like. Yeah, just because I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Whatever. We, we had a, lo- a lovely little guided tour around his new place, and it's just, it's just amazing. It's just. It's... One of
1: his sheep oh, yeah. for just kept barring. I don't know what the actual oh. term is. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know how funny I found it. I was
0: in hysterics. <laughs> well, well, the sheep sounded like it smoked 20 a day, honestly.
2: <laughs> I, I completely lost myself on Hannah's timeline the other day because I. Realised they moved, so I was having a nose, and I was on there for about an hour. jay was like, "What are you looking at?" I was like, "Just a farm." <laughs> They've got our
1: life now, but
2: in New yeah, Zealand. they have. They've stolen our lives. <laughs> we'll have it in Wales. We'll have it in cool. Wales one day.
4: It's cool because like I have now a lady in in Michigan, I think, and she's training two cows and i'm t I'm helping her training her cows for cooperative care is wow. you know? so I'm not sure if you saw a video that I posted about a mouth open with the cow How no. she trained-
0: I will tell you what anything that you you remember when you get off the phone just link it to me and I'll, I'll put it all in the show notes so so that um our listeners can have a look. That'd be fantastic
4: yeah it's 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 super nice it's super fun and she she like has these two cows. It's hilarious and then when I was in in, in Norway, I got in love with training goats. It's so simple they get it so quick it's like wow and then sheep same thing it's like oh, I never knew this about sheep like they're seen as these wool factories walking on four legs and that's it but you start to train them and it's like okay <laughs> this is actually scary <laughs> how yeah.
0: smart you are. yeah
4: so
2: I love cool. goats I spent uh nearly five months of my life just watching goats and writing down <laughs> what they were doing every minute <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's my research project. Yeah. My mum and dad
0: had two goats when I was growing up. Two pygmy goats, Winnie and Nelson. They were called. um They were <laughs> lovely. They were absolutely lovely. Well, Nelson actually, Nelson was a bit cantankerous, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they weren't doing uh, all of the cooperative care with them back in those days. But they had a really nice. They had like a big wooded area in the back, and they, and they had this. Uh, all I remember about Nelson is he had this huge tire that was hung from a tree, and he used to absolutely love just going and batting that all the time. But when they go at each other, like, what doesn't what it makes a big old bang? I think they must have headaches okay. constantly.
4: Nuts! Like, <laughs> the power,
0: yeah, yeah, like,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. you get it. Once.
2: That's why I was I was observing the ones um, at, at Marwell because they had had to be put in kind of segregation because they were as part of an open petting zoo but they started butting everyone because they weren't feeding them quick enough so they had like a feed dispenser I mean it sounds like a good idea on paper I guess but (laughs) then they just got completely frustrated and started beating up children so they had to put them in a paddock
4: (laughs) you know that this is the most interesting thing I never thought about this before but petting zoos in general also in zoos and everywhere The thing is, now more and more, they give those animals more choices. So if they want to go away, they can go away and there's a fence that people can't pass. Only animals can go. And then a lady in San Diego Zoo, that that, um, like fantastic woman, she's I think the animal training coordinator there and like um i helped her out with changing the whole uh, safety system with implementing emergency recalls and so on and fanta- fantastic project but she, she i asked her about petting zoos and choice to control stuff and she she shows me a picture of you know these big uh, wooden um i think it's a wooden barrel kind of thing where they have like these uh cables on
3: yeah yeah C- oh,
4: yeah yeah yeah, so you have the very big ones, but you also yep. have the little smaller ones. And what she did was she put an, uh, holes in there on the side. She tied a chain to it. And on the chain was an, uh, an, uh, a brush. So if the goat would be by the brush, you could pet it. But uh... if the goat would not be in that area, you can't pet it. Right. Easy. So now all of a sudden the goats had a choice to be pet because that thing was always at the same spot right there. I was like, oh, that's clever. That's good. The only thing you have to do is control the people, not to pet one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) They've got a similar thing at uh, London Zoo, I think. No, it's not. It's Longleat. They've got a uh, penguin walk. So they're Humboldt penguins. Um, You used to be able to walk through them completely and they had a pool. Um, But they've put this walkway in that only the penguins can fit through and they've done it in metal like um iron type penguin shapes so if they want to come and see the people they can and then the people can't get through the the gate um but yeah there's always someone that will stick their hand where it's not wanted
0: oh God, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: that applies to all areas of life <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: A little less now that Donald Trump isn't president anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, Pia, thank you so much. Yeah, Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel really inspired uh, as well, so thank you so much. Me too. We'll we'll stick links to all your talks that are coming up on the notes. Um, Yeah, anything you want to send me in terms of videos and stuff, we can put on our Facebook group as well, and I'm sure that will get some people headed in your direction. But if you are listening Mm -hmm. and you want to learn... More about your dog, um, then Peter is a is a good man to start with, totally. <laughs> Thank you very much. It oh, <laughs>
4: was joyful. Oh,
3: okay.
0: good. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. So we'll see you on the other side, yeah? You take care, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. 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 You like dogs, and I like dogs, and, dogs and you like dogs, and yeah! We like dogs, and I like dogs, and you like dogs, and yeah! We like dogs, and I like dogs, and I like dogs, and like dogs, dogs, yeah! <laughs> Hello, bookshelvers. It's me, Steve, and I have rudely interrupted proceedings to bring you some exciting news. Uh So we have started a Patreon page, uh, I believe it is pronounced patreon in the French, uh, but a Patreon page. Um what is a Patreon page Steve? I hear you all asking with bated breath. So basically, we record uh podcasts for you guys. We love doing it. It is blooming marvelous and we will continue to do it until the end of time. But um Sometimes, you know, we have costs and things and bits and bobs like that, Um, equipment, um, subscribing to the um, platform that we put the podcast out on, all of those things take a bit of the old readies. Um, So what Patreon is, is basically it allows you, if you want to, if you can, no obligation at all for this, the podcast will still remain free, but it allows you to throw us a couple of quid. Um, so I like to see it like this. If you met us and you would like to buy us a drink, then you could pop us uh, a few a few quid to help us along the way. Um, so if you go to uh, patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash bookshelvers, um, you would see our page. We currently have two... Um, Two tiers. So there's a £3 a month one that you can pay. You can cancel at any point. So if you just wanted to pay us three quid, you could stick three quid in there and then cancel the next month. Um, we call that one. It's just basically our general support, bookshelver support tier. And then there's a £5 a month one. Again, cancel at any point. No obligation to keep paying for it monthly. That's completely up to you. Um, we call this the podcast hug option, which will allow us to save for equipment and cover costs or a well-earned team meeting at a local pub. Um so that would be nice um we also offer with that five pound one you get a guaranteed question answered on the show or indeed a shout out about your business or anything you would like us to shout out about um so yeah please do visit patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash bookshelvers and if you think you can it would be awesome if you could support us making this content for you oh thank you very much Bye bye
3: Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark a life we multiply. This ride is just. end of a line that stretches back through all time time guided by a primal desire to simply survive survive Uh... It's our duty to persist, resist, and fight and defend till the end another's right to all. I guess you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it